Welcome to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Good morning, everyone. Yes, this is indeed Leanne Nguyen speaking to you from Brooklyn, New York. It's a beautiful spring day over here, and I hope that it's over there also for you. And... Um, I imagine from wherever you're tuning in right now that you're welcoming me into your kitchen for breakfast or your office, a coffee or your car on the way to work. Um, wherever it is, I thank you for letting me into your space. You know, it's funny that um, the network is calling me the host. It makes me feel like I'm supposed to tend to some tea party or something. But I see it more like that... Um, I'm a guest that you're welcoming momentarily into this hour of your very busy life, I'm sure. And so as a guest, as I've been taught by my mother, (laughs) that I should bring a gift. And um, the gift that I would like to bring to you all today is a conversation, uh, this one, with my thoughts, my questions uh, to you and hopefully with you about this life that we're in and about each other. And my deepest wish is that my gift will land somewhere soft and beautiful and reflective in your life, in your household, and maybe add to it. You know, as a psychologist in independent private practice, I am used to listening um, and I'm used to being uh, with just one person at a time um, where I get to see and hear everything that happens in my clients' uh, thoughts. It's like, you know, every every hour is like swimming in the open sea um, where every hour is unknown, but it's, it's, it's a journey that we do together where I'm held and accompanied uh, by my patient. So this radio thing where I'm just here um, talking into this mic is like um, zip lining. It's just me launching across the ravine of my thoughts and hoping that I find you all on the other side when I land. Now, those of you who tune in because our paths have crossed at some point and you're curious or want to be supportive, I'm glad that you will get to know me a bit more. And those of you who tune in because the promo grabbed you in some way and the topic speaks to you, I am so, so thrilled that we can talk. Now, what is this topic that I chose? What am I really asking when I say what makes us human and why am I asking it? Um, And how are we going to talk about it? Now, the question to me as a mother, um, as a psychologist, and as as a citizen of this crazy, heartbreaking, beautiful, crazy world, the question is to me fundamental. It's it's simple and basic. And at at this point in our culture, in our history, I, I feel personally, it's a question that is absolutely necessary to ask. 
it's not an abstract question to me, and I'm not posing it um, as a, a theologian or a, a philosopher. Um, my narcissism today is, is not taking me that far. It is an ethical question. We need to ask this question of ourselves and of one another because the answer and how we go about answering the question determines how we conduct ourselves vis-a-vis one another and how we live our lives, how we treat ourselves, how we treat our neighbors, our children, how we treat the strangers in the subway on the side of the road, the strangers who may be unknown to us in their needs and loves, but who may not be that different or that far away. And it would determine how we conduct ourselves, for example, with the person who may be the next mass shooter for all we know and who maybe um, just needed for us to take a close look at him. So the answer to me uh, should help us do justice to ourselves. Now, I keep thinking these days, you know, if the man in the White House would just stop and ask himself that question, you know, the question of what makes me human or what makes us human, things might be a tiny bit different in the discourse or on his Twitter thingy. Um, And then maybe he would ask himself, you know, how can I ask the country to help me with this project? So anyway, um, by the way, I think that the the, the question of what makes us human is being asked um, as a political one and has been answered. And you can see the answer in the policies, in the the conversations that are happening. in Congress, and that translates into how the budget is being uh, formulated and immigration policies are being implemented, for example. Now, I see again and again how crushed people are nowadays in their humanity. You know, violence, poverty, oppression, daily disrespect, and fear. The setup of life and society right now is very dehumanizing. Well, I need to say maybe a little bit to explain what I mean uh, by dehumanizing. I mean by that, that the acts among people, the structure in society, the, the, the cultural rules of engagement, all the things that we rely on to get through the day, they're all designed to deny our individuality, to discourage curiosity about who we are, and to discourage our creativity in how to express it. It's also discouraged to numb us to our desires um, for the mysterious, for the unknown, for the vulnerable. Everything is designed to quash tenderness as well as fearlessness in us. And also we lack the basic support to be fulfilled. The things that we're told to want, the challenges that we're willing to engage in, take us further and further away from our humanity. Just look at the federal budget. Look at the billions um, of dollars that go into the military complex, for example, and how much money goes to education. Um, That's just one example. Look at how schools are run, uh, how many arts teachers are there in public schools these days and look at which industries are booming are making money it's the anti-aging 
for example, industry. It's the correctional industry. You know, people are uh, building up prisons left and right. I'm told that where the stocks are. So I'm still researching that. Um, Okay. So... You, some of you know that the bulk of my work is in the human rights abuse and immigration. So it makes sense that there is um, fear and oppression and loss. That's what I swim in. That's what I deal with uh, on most days. I deal with people who have been dehumanized in a literal concrete way, as in um, they have been robbed of their humanity. They have been reduced to literally to garbage, to being called sick. Uh, carrying a virus because they happen to be, for example, um, gay in the Middle East or Coptic Christian in in Egypt or born a girl in Afghanistan um, or belong to the wrong tribe in the civil war in Africa. So they would be hunted down and treated like animals and degraded and reduced um, to a thing to spit on or stripped of their basic rights to love or to be loved or their basic right to work, uh, to, um, to be free to think, to speak, just because they are different. And they go through shit to come here to America because they fear for their lives and because, frankly, you know, it kills you, it kills us to not be allowed to be human. So they leave everything to come here, seeking freedom and a chance for the basic, and then they are thrown into detention centers like criminals just because they are different, just because others are not willing or able to recognize the humanity and look away. So yeah, in my work, there's a lot of fear and misery, but I'm also talking about others that I see, the quote-unquote more, you know, regular people. Um, I see fear, fear of growing old, fear of not having enough, of making the wrong choice, of not finding love, fear of the future not working out, fear of the past repeating itself, fear of the present not holding the right answer uh, to happiness or security in the future. Right now, at least in North America, we have so much in terms of technologies and resources and protections. And yet there is such a sense of helplessness and impoverishment that I see and hear around me. If you disagree with me, today go to a bookstore, you know, not Amazon, the one with with actual doors and, and a coffee shop and AC, look at the piles and piles of how-to books, of self-improvement, of 10 steps to blah, blah, of 12 rules to living, blah, 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 blah books. And look at the flies of mindfulness meditation uh, that are mushrooming all around town. Or go to a therapy directory. My God, how many therapists do we need? You know, why? Why are they so much in demand? And how come they all promise the key to happiness and fulfillment? So, there is so much that we want, that we need, that we're not getting. Um, Think back to your day so far. How much fear was there? How often did you encounter joy? And how often did you look, really look at and listen to the person who crossed paths with you? What were you doing that made you not take a second to make contact with him or her? How much reinforcement do we get every day? for fear versus freedom and love. 
<clears throat> we are bombarded, you know, with messages, suggestions about how to be from physical fitness to financial security, from relationship choices to spiritual practices, from the diet to follow the platform, the diet to follow or the platform to vote for. The message is do this and you will be okay. Otherwise, what? Otherwise, you die. Well, guess what? We're all going to die anyway. So what will we do between now and then? And how are we going to do it with each other? Um, We do not look at one another. That's what I'm trying to say. We do not take the time to hear. Think back to a time when you actually look at the face of another person or when you have the permission to say, hello, how are you? And really want the answer. It takes a lot. It takes something that we do not have the support to do. It takes generosity and faith and skills to really be with another person. And nothing much in our culture nowadays is encouraging or giving us the support to do so. Everything tells us to look away from difficult, painful things. Everything tells us that connecting with another human being only takes one click, one upload, one profile. Everything urges us to see others as profiles and commodities or statistics, tells us to go the other way for the easiest solution, to go away from the complexity and the beauty of the humans around us. That is why loving is so complicated and difficult, and and growing old is so terrifying, and getting sick or grieving is so shameful, and dying is a taboo or a mystery. And so if we did did have the support from our culture to really be with another person, I think that these things wouldn't be so hard or so mystifying. And I believe that we would not be killing one another every other day. So I want to show to provide a little bit of support for the effort to be successful at living as a human being. And part of that is to start a conversation where we can talk to each other and hear each other. And my job, as I see it, is to bring to you questions that deepen our ambition toward that. Do you know that embedded in the word question is quest? And that's what I would like to do. Now, throughout the show, we will also be joined by guests. And they are not, um, I don't consider these guests experts or celebrities. They are more than that. They are people that I have encountered who move me deeply with how they live and work with how passionately alive they are about their time on earth. Um, I want to ask this question. What is the quality of support that we need in this life? What is the support that we humans, unlike animals, need in order to thrive and survive? Now, the question is kind of related to the question of what it means to be human. When I look out at the landscape and watch people interact, I see what's missing. We live in a time where kindness is a rarity and tenderness is banished. I'm telling you now about the two qualities that I see as most absent and most degraded that I hear my patients long for without knowing or daring to name it. These are the two qualities that I myself long for and wish for my children and for those that I love and encounter. The first one is kindness. 
it's not about being nice or being gentle. It's not about being moral or civil. Kindness is when we extend to the other person a recognition of his struggle, of his hurt, a willingness to see his hurt and to join him in that place of fear and woundedness, to join him there from our own recognition of our own struggle and fear and pain. To be kind to someone requires that you be in touch with, that you be willing to recognize and respect your own vulnerability. In the act of kindness, I say to you, I see you because I know. And I still want to know you because I see you. Only then can we recognize and behold the other person in his vulnerability. Only only when you remember your humanity that you can be truly kind to another. I'm going to quote here something from Adam Phillips, you know, a psychoanalyst uh, from Britain who works with uh, primarily with children. So I trust him. (laughs) He said, acts of kindness demonstrate in the clearest way possible that we are vulnerable and dependent human, I mean, dependent animals who have no better resource than each other. No wonder it's terrifying and hard, isn't it? It's something to resist because vulnerable and dependent, when everything around us tells us that we, mankind, or that we in America have conquered nature, that we are number one and superpower, that we can figure it out and forge ahead on our own devices. So if that's what we believe and are surrounded with, no wonder Kindness is hard to access and hard to give because to reveal our vulnerability and our wounds, you have to show strength as well. The second quality is tenderness. Uh, how do I define uh, tenderness? I remember a, a, a song or a line from a song, um, a French song or a French movie or something that said, um, you know, tenderness is when I'm disarmed. This line captures for me the recognition of the power of the other person's beauty and fragility, a recognition of the power of what she needs or demands from us and of what she can do for us to us with that beauty. It also captures the willingness in tenderness, the willingness and the commitment and the faith to surrender ourselves to that power and to express that we know, that we see, that we want her beauty, her fragility, and her power. So it takes strength and and faith to put down our arms and go into the other person's humanity and cherish it. I see that it's time for a break now. So before I go uh, more into tenderness, uh, let's take a break for a few minutes and I will be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? 
Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. All right. Hello again, everyone. Where was I? Somewhere with tenderness. Um, there is another quote, um, this one from Milan Kundera, that uh, I think would express much better what I was trying to, uh, to yammer on about. Uh, the quote goes like this, tenderness is the attempt to create a tiny space in which we mutually agree to treat each other like a child. Need I say more? Any of us who has had a child, who has cared for one, has played with one, or remembers what it was like to be a child, knows what this means, to treat each other like a child, with, with wonderment about his passion, his enthusiasm for life, in awe about his fearlessness as well as his vulnerability, and with the promise to safeguard with an instinctive impulse to love and to cherish that being. 
and also with a softening toward our own desire to be a force of good for that person. It takes surrender as well as fearlessness to be tender. And it takes discipline and faith and strength to be kind. That is why we need support to have it nowadays. When we receive kindness, when we have tenderness, we discover or or, or rediscover the things that we need to thrive and to survive. Things of power and beauty and hope and wisdom. And most of all, the solidarity that we naturally, inescapably have with one another. We're all that we have, folks. Um, speaking of tenderness again, you know, you should go to um, any elementary school at dismissal time. I love that time of the day where you watch children and their parents and you see what I'm talking about in terms of tenderness. Um, now, the failure of kindness is cruelty. The opposite or the perversion of tenderness is hate. In, in cruelty, you, you see the refusal to stay with one's own vulnerability. You see the decision to deny one's own fears and woundedness. And all of that refusal, all of that turning away from one's humanity is then transformed into the act of negating and degrading the other person's humanity. Because you have been hurt, because you feel small, you suffer and feel afraid and little, um, you do that to the other person. You do that to distance yourself from that place of terror and vulnerability, to give yourself a measure of control and power. So you inflict pain on another human being in order to feel some measure of, of, of power in order to step away from your own vulnerability. In hate, there is an engagement that is as passionate and as intimate as in love or tenderness. But in hate, unlike in tenderness, you see the refusal to be in wonderment about the other person and the refusal to let oneself be disarmed by the other person's humanity. You see in hate the choice to smash up the space of mutual offering that Kundera was talking about, the choice to deny one's hopes and to decline to use one's own capacity for goodness and for love in favor of pursuing the confirmation that the other person is dangerous and is to be annihilated in favor of of the the delusional, the destructive conviction that one's survival and dignity has nothing to do with how you treat the other person, that your survival or success depends on the other person's destruction. Go to any newspaper today, read what the administration is doing, and I think that you would see what I'm talking about in terms of cruelty and hate. There was so much kindness after 9-11 from people in the country, especially in New York City, and from other nations in the, towards the U.S. And I think because they know these other nations of the wounds of loss and violation. I myself, you know, uh, on that day saw people running down the street crying out or crying into the phone and smoke coming out of the sky. And I was brought back to memories of running in the streets in Saigon uh, on that day in April in 75 with my mother away, running away from the tanks. And I thought, now America knows 
But the tragedy of 9-11 is what the U.S. government chose to do with that kindness. It's in, in how the U.S. failed to behold their own vulnerability, to be more creative, more constructive, more tender towards others and towards itself with its powers and capacities. The tragedy of 9-11 and everything that followed till this day is how the U.S. failed to cultivate kindness in its policies and refused to, to step into tenderness in how it deals with its own people also. I want to tell you about a brief moment in my life um, uh, about 10 or so years ago that taught me about kindness and tenderness. Um, some of you may remember the scandal of Abu Ghraib about uh, 2003 or 2004 um, after the invasion of, of Iraq. Now, you know, and there was that whole scandal of torture um, and, and abuse and, and so on. That scandal illustrates the cruelty and hate that I'm talking about, which resulted from the failure on the part of the U.S. to learn from its wounds, the failure to recognize its vulnerability and stay in solidarity with other wounded nations and to go with a different set of policies and practice other than aggression and, and, and hate. Now, I was I joined a mission uh, organized by Physicians for Human Rights to go um, interview uh, the Iraqi men who had been detained there. Um, you know, so they were released a few years after Abu Ghraib, and um, these men flew out of Baghdad to meet with us in Istanbul at their own at great risk to their lives because they wanted to tell the stories uh, the horrors that they had seen and endured so that the world would know so all of us well, and some of us went there to um, to interview them and organize these the stories into a human rights abuse report and these men were, you know, they, they, they ranged from ordinary citizens to high-ranking um, army officials under Saddam Hussein. They had been tortured, humiliated, you know, they had lost everything of, 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 their, of their selves, of their belongings. Um, some of them had lost everything of their souls, but they, they agreed to go and, and, and to tell us because they wanted the world to know and to be better from knowing, hopefully. Um, it was hard to hear these stories, and, and uh, it was hard to really comprehend the cruelty and, and the senselessness um, of it all. Um, I'll just give you one very, one, one small story. Um, I was talking to a colonel, uh, this very beautiful, fierce-looking, dignified man who uh, were detained, who was detained, and um, one of the things, you know, he was beaten up and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, was forced to simulate anal sex with with his soldiers, um, but but the, the the really the 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 top of it all was he said that um, U.S. soldiers would urinate into uh, into a bottle and force him uh, to drink a bottle every day. So till this day, uh, when I was talking to him, you know, he still hallucinated the sound of water uh, running into into a bottle and still could taste the um, the taste of urine. So he said to me, you know, what I do now is I drink a bottle of whiskey every day and hope that I die. Um, so it was, it did something to me, uh, and and I started chain smoking on on that trip. Now, but the hardest thing for me to see to bear was to witness the failure 
of kindness, uh, to, just to see the the withholding of tenderness as a response to all this horror and pain um, from some of, of my of my friends, of the American uh, colleagues on the team. For them, it was just a job. It was a pre- prestigious mission, um, another thing on their very long, successful resume. So the last night that we were in Istanbul, you know, we all joined uh, for a farewell dinner. And I walked in uh, and, and on one end uh, of the table was the Iraqi men all emptied out and devastated um, by the stories that I had, they had to tell us and, and terrified of going back uh, to, to, to their homes, their bombed out homes. And on the other end of the table were my American colleagues um, and they were discussing, planning for the the, the the research, the so-called research paper that they were going to write and which publications they would send it to that would get the maximum play and, and so on and so forth. Um, they needed, they wanted to do something with these important data, you know, that they had found. You know, the, the way that I felt in that moment, the juxtaposition and the decision on what to do with the pain that that you were um, encountering, it's just the way that I felt. It it was indescribable. Um, I think there's a beautiful phrase in the English language that would capture it, <laughs> and it was uh, it was what the fuck. So I, I couldn't bear it, and I had to leave. So I went up on the roof of the hotel with my Marlboro pack, you know. Uh, the call for prayer was going off um, in the city at that time. And um, I found there the colonel up there by himself with his bottle of whiskey. We just nodded at each other and, you know, went quietly in our own way. But after about my my fifth or sixth cigarette, he just came over and looked at me. And in his broken English, you know, he took the cigarette out of my hand and said, Doctor, stop. It's going to kill you. Um, and he offered me a shot of whiskey instead. He said, you know, drink better than cigarette. Um, when I refused, you know, because I don't do whiskey, I, I, I do tequila. Um, he, he left and went downstairs to his room and he came back with an orange. He said, here, for my wife, she packed for the trip. That to me was, was kindness. Um, his kindness Send me home to New York in a different state than I would have been otherwise. You know, he was he was drunk like a skunk, I think, and I was flying high as a kite on nicotine. But in that moment, we it was difficult, but we acknowledged our respective helplessness and we beheld, we were tender to each other. It was incomplete, it was painful, but it was the most precious, the most human thing because we had recognized and we're willing to recognize each other's pain. And we were willing to make contact with that in each other. And willing and capable for some mysterious reasons to be uh, generous and loving. I, um, a couple of years ago, also I was flying and um, I was catching a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio in it. It was called um, The Revenant by Inaritu, And it was about, you know, some 19th century frontier experience and a whole bunch of trappers flying, uh, traveling through the wilderness. Um, 
and um, fighting for survival and pursuing vengeance. And they were basically, you know, hunting each other down and hacking each other to death and throwing each other in frozen water and uh, attempting rapes and ambush and um, left for death and so on. It's just like relentless um, savagery filled of, of, of primal acts of survival and, and primitive uh, methods of destruction. In one scene, the character walked into an encampment that had been attacked, um, and the villagers had all been massacred, and huts were burning, and and so on. And he found um, a few corpses, you know, hanging, and on one of them was pinned um, a piece of paper where someone had scrawled the sentence um, "Only tous des sauvages." We're all savages. And that struck me so much, you know, flying on a jet plane, hearing that and and heading back uh, to my work. Um, I thought, but we are still savages. We're just more sophisticated in our strategies of destruction. We're just more um, disguised in our ruthless impulses. Just um, look at drone wars. Um, Look at what can happen on social media, the Twitter war, and when someone can be destroyed with words. Uh, Look at racism at the economic policies. Um, If you're wondering about savagery, you know, go to divorce courts. Uh, we don't hack each other to death, but but the, the we just send lawyers. <laughs> we go on on Facebook. Um, the The modern methods of annihilation are as savage and and achieve maybe a worse kind um, of death. But we are also um, human. You know, a Muslim man. Um, in Turkey, gives a Vietnamese woman uh, an orange that his wife had packed for his journey from Baghdad to Istanbul because he did not want that stranger to do her body harm. Savages do not know of this. We are the only species who commit genocide and have mass shootings, but we also have Beethoven's number no. 9 and, and David Bowie. And Nina Simone, we don't just have sex, we make love, we pray, we laugh, we make poems. Animals don't do these things. Um, Apps can't help us do these things. We have to do them ourselves. And most of all, you know, we have not, we want to do them ourselves. We have not given up are delegated uh, on these desire for, for, for these things. I worked with um, a woman from Bangladesh, uh, a very successful business owner and, and community leader. Um, I'm just mindful of time here. And um, she, she was very successful and she was, uh, you know, working in a community to educate women and empower women. And as a result, you know, had uh, to deal with death threats um, and attacks and attempted rapes and so on for her work. So she eventually had to leave the country with, with her 10-year-old son. And um, she just left with about $5,000 of her life savings and came here. Uh, to seek asylum. When I met her, she was just renting a room um, for some family um, in New Jersey and was cleaning toilets. And when 
her asylum was done, her, her application was done, and she was heading into towards the future, you know, of what, I don't know. Here was a woman who had every reason um, to be hateful um, and bitter and broken. Um, when I asked her what she planned to do with her life, um, what kind of work she planned to do, how she was uh, going to live, she said, um, I want to help my son be a good man and she said that with 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 the in the most heartfelt mo- the, the, the the most conviction i want to help my son be a good man animals don't do this let's take a break for a few minutes and i will be back Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. All right. Hello again, everyone. I, I hope you heard the number, one 472 I've been talking for so long that I realize I, I, I miss hearing your voice. If so, if you have questions, comments, suggestions about how we can uh, get deeper into this conversation, please call. Um, I hope that I have or have been making a good case uh, for the, the merits of posing uh, the question. Um, there's so much more that, that we can say uh, to each other, you know, but I'm, I keep thinking throughout this time about the um, a moment that I had a, a month ago when I went up to Montreal to go to the uh, Leonard Cohen exhibit. Uh, I may be dating myself here by talking about Leonard Cohen and Milan Kundera. <laughs> I remember I was on a date and I was talking about all the things I love and the person said, you had a taste of a 70-year-old white woman. Um, that is so not true. You know, it, it, it's not a taste of a 70-year-old white woman. It's a taste of a teenager who landed in, in Paris in French Catholic nun. Uh, French Catholic school um, from a re- refugee camp in uh, in Malaysia and from Vietnam, and I was just trying to figure out what the hell had happened to me, <laughs> and how do I survive the nuns, and 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 how do I get laid in Paris uh, while going to, to to Catholic school? So that's why I had to turn to uh, to these people. Um, I totally digress there. All right, Leonard Cohen in, in Montreal, you know, he died a couple of years ago, so they organized this um, exhibit. So in one of, of, of the um, of the interviews that, that was projected in the auditorium for us, he talked about how much work it took, how, how long it took for him um, to, to find his voice, how much he had to search for it. And finally, with the help of, of some poets, he found that he had a voice. And he said that, um, quote, with that voice, I realized came the responsibility to express it um, with beauty and dignity within the confines of society and culture. And then, you know, he launched, his song came on, I think it was Take This Waltz. And as the music was playing, you know, I, I tell you, I literally tasted the best of humanity. You know, babies just hushed and, and they, they relaxed and they burrowed into the parents' chest. And the grown-ups put their heads on each other's shoulders. Um, people looked around and smiled at each other. Many burst into tears, um, but I think I, I, I think it was out of joy and, and gratitude. Um, and there was so much gratitude and tenderness in that room in response to, to this man. Um, somewhere else, Cohen also uh, 
said in passing, you know, that there was so much incivility, so much mutual incivility in the world these days. And he wanted to do something um, towards mitigating it through his songwriting and his music. So I, it, it's my, my ambition for this show, for our conversation, um, is that we can move, um, we can join him in that effort as well. So I hope that you will join me in exploring the answers to the question of what makes us human, because that would take us into the question of um, what does it take then to be human? You know, what does it take to stay human, to be committed in this project uh, and to be successful at it? Um, Now, Next week, I will be talking about um, about trauma. Um, I will be telling you about what it's like to live in that state of being traumatized, to take you into the psychic landscape of um, of being traumatized, and we can look together at what breaks down, you know, in that state. What is um, what is degraded. Because when we look at the things that traumatized people or people in a traumatized state fail to do, I think that we can understand um, a little bit of what we all normally or even successfully um, can do, the things that we take for granted that we can do with our minds, um, the things that we want and always strive for in our relationships. Um, So when we look at uh, at what breaks down in trauma, it becomes more clear the things that we take for granted and, and the the ambitions that we humans have um, for ourselves and for each other become more clear. Now, do we have the support to uh, do these things is a whole other question. Um, all right. Um, I think that I would take leave of you at this point unless, um, let me see. Yeah, I think I will. And um, next week, we will meet again on Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope you are well, and I hope you encounter kindness um, in your daily life until then. All right. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.